0: hey guys welcome to another episode of genuine chit chat this week is a special episode Um, i'm releasing it on father's day um, father's day if you're in the uk like i am um and in previous episodes of the podcast you may have heard me speaking about uh my dad at certain times if you're new to the podcast welcome um but other episodes are normally a bit more Lighter than this, you know, uh, but basically my my dad died of cancer um, about five years ago. Um, So I thought it'd be nice to have my brother Rob on there on there on here and talk to him about well, dad really kind of remembering dad. Now, at the start, we just talk about sort of what it was like growing up with dad, sort of how he was, the kind of personality he was. Um, At the start, it may sound like we're kind of uh, putting him down a little bit, uh, maybe to some people, but he wasn't a perfect man. You know, I say it numerous times in the podcast. He is a great man and I loved him dearly and I really miss him but that doesn't mean he was perfect, and the kind of point of me releasing this, um, something so personal and something that can be quite intense, so I do want to warn people we do talk about cancer, so if that's something that will really emotionally affect you negatively, I I don't want anyone to feel really uncomfortable while they're listening to this, but we wanted it to be honest and open and show that it's okay for to miss people and for when they pass away to speak about them honestly and not necessarily make a saint out of them you know you can't learn from people's errors if you think they were perfect and that's especially a thing i think parents are quite integral for children to do you know you look at your parents you see what the good parts of them are and you think i want to be like that but you also look at their flaws and think okay how do i want to improve upon that so we, we do get into i'd say if you're going to listen to this podcast if you start listening to it and you think you know they're kind of slagging off their dad a little bit um i would really recommend just listening to the whole thing because it does kind of come back round. you know we start at the start it talks about getting to know dad and then as we got older what it was like because my brother rob is 17 years older than i am and we sort of get into the different dynamics and things of that because i was 19 when um, when dad passed whereas rob was in his sort of mid to late 30s um and we we talk about Sort of when he got cancer, when he told us what it was sort of like dealing with a parent or family member or anyone close to you with cancer, uh, we spoke about his passing. Um, I don't go into ridiculously graphic detail in that, but I do mention a specific sort of the last moment. I sort of saw him and stuff, so that can be. Uh, it was quite emotional. Obviously, so just a, another, another sort of warning about that, uh, and then we talk about towards the end of the podcast, we kind of talk about you know sort of what you can do with family members if they're going through this sort of thing, as in, you know, if you know someone and someone they're close to is is terminal with cancer what you can kind of do for them in a sense but obviously me and Rob aren't saying that we know everything we're not saying all oh, this will work for everyone and this isn't some sort of podcast as a cure-all for these sorts of things it's just uh, it's kind of a way for me to vent in a sense it's quite an emotional obviously it's an emotional thing and for me and Rob to talk about so it's quite nice to kind of talk it out and get that out there um, it gives context to the podcast if there's certain episodes that I've, li- I've you know uh, done in the past and if you've listened to them heard me talk about Dad especially in last week's one where i speak with jack about me and both jack uh both our dads had died um so you know it's to give some context to that. It's to help me in, in that way and I'm, I'm just hoping that anyone who is either going through this or has been through this or anything like that it'll bring them some degree of closure or help in any way if this podcast helps one individual get through something like this then that'll make me happy you know it's i, I just want people to realize that you know, you don't have to make a saint out of someone who's passed away. It's okay, you know, being angry or being sad or anything like that. And I just want this to be a sort of honest, vulnerable show, in a sense. You know, I, I try I try to be as honest as I can with all these uh, podcasts. I want to be open as I can about details surrounding myself. Obviously, I don't want to talk about sort of... People who have been close to me in the past uh, who maybe aren't in my life anymore. I don't want to go into their sort of details, but obviously that's not really expected of me. And that's certainly not what's going to be going on in this podcast. Um, just as a little pretense as well, um, just to clarify, I mentioned about brothers and stuff in previous podcasts. And I've mentioned my brother, Justin, who may be on in the future at some point. I don't know. Um, but basically, for full clarity, because people might get a little bit confused if they're not sure. Um, my dad... Married a woman called Joy before I was born. Had two children with them, which is my brother Rob and another brother of mine called Chris. I spoke to Chris. He wasn't that fussed about being on there, so obviously I didn't want to force him or make him uncomfortable by coming on here. Some people just don't. Some people just don't like being on podcasts and venting all this sort of emotional stuff out, which is one hundred percent okay. Uh, and then we also we have a brother called Justin because uh, Rob married a woman called Catherine. Her brother is Justin. He's a few years older than me and. You know, all of us, as bro- we we him like a brother, you know, because he is. He's a brother not only in law, but he's also with family, you know, and family doesn't necessarily have to be blood. I have many friends close to me who I'd consider family, that sort of thing as well. So just for full disclosure, if anyone was a bit confused, they've heard previous podcasts where I've mentioned a, a, someone called Justin, who's my brother. That's what it is. You know, Rob and Chris, are my half brothers, Justin is technically brother-in-law, but I don't like that sort of labelling and all that crap and saying they're half brothers and what. It's so much. It's way too much effort. And yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling on now because it's almost five minutes and stuff. But I just wanted to give some sort of context to this. um, And I want to say, if anyone is going through anything like this um, and they they want to they want anyone to talk to, then I'm I'm saying you know you can check myself out on social media and things like that you don't have to follow me or anything like that if you just send me a message either via email or anything like that I'm, I'm the only person who does anything to do with genuine chit chat, essentially social media side anything like that it, it's all me so if you did want to talk about anything like this you want to send me a message or anything I would be the only person to see that and I would obviously keep it completely confidential if anyone is going through anything and wanted any just anyone to talk to in any way um, so that's it really um, I'll be back at the end um, just a very minor thing of what's coming up next um but yeah, i really hope you guys enjoy this podcast it was obviously a very uh, special one to me uh, and to rob and yeah i'm just gonna let it sort of go on so thank you as always for listening guys and um, i'll be back at the end welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton My, my phone my phone's on silent uh, too but it still will vibrate and go off because i'm so fucking popular i'm not really but um peter gabriel song sorry peter gabriel song what
1: she's so popular
0: i know the peter gabriel song uh sledgehammer and what's the sh- the the song that he goes that's a show um the videos are loads of people bleeding and stuff
1: oh yeah is that called the show I think it might
0: be. it's either called the show it's called the something a name of someone's yeah.
1: show yeah that's the layer stuff of all the theatrical things he did yeah
0: it's so weird because you see Sledgehammer and the video to that
1: song is amazing and the video to the other songs is really good but he looks completely different It looks like his own dad there's one called Digging Up the Dirt which they made him make it because Sledgehammer was so popular so it almost sounds the same and it's got a very similar video it's pretty cool
0: yeah uh, that's what yeah. you want to get to when you're big enough, when you're in a band that's big enough. You'll be so big that you actually have the corporations. Try to, that's when you know you've made it. When the corporations are trying to change your sound. Yeah. That's um, yeah. How would you start recording? Because that's what I do in podcasting. I'd suddenly do it. Um, hey guys, uh this is a special episode of Genuine Chit Chat. I've probably mentioned and talked to death and rambled on in the intro, which I'll obviously be recording after this. Um, I'm here with my brother Rob, um, and we're basically gonna basically talk about dad a bit um as people may know from the previous uh, episodes if you've listened to them um i've mentioned in passing about dad i've, I've had a few conversations with people about uh, dad in some way or another and so i thought it'd be kind of nice in a sense as a good thing for memory and also t- for people to kind of have the full story of um basically talking about dad with my brother so that's what we're going to do um just as a pretense uh Dad died of cancer uh, five years ago, so that's one of the reasons why. But we'll we'll get into all that sort of uh, stuff eventually. Um, But obviously, Rob, you're, what, 17 years older than me? Yeah,
1: yeah, nearly 18, I don't know.
0: Yeah, because I think it was when I was 17 I remember you saying you were double my age. That's how I remember remember your age. I, I know your birth year. Because the keypad to dad's old office was your birth year, so I remember that, and I also remember you're seventeen years older than me. It's so I just
1: I'm the favourite son, so I got the, the keypad is... duties. Look at that. That's that, how you know that I mean, is true. I didn't get that. I'm yeah. not the oldest son, so you know. What I mean, that's exactly. Just... You
0: were you were the middle son, and you got the keypad. So it's like that's how you know you're the favourite.
1: Peaked too early, didn't
0: I? <laughs> that was it. That was the pinnacle of your life <laughs> it was. when dad started his company. But um, so I was gonna say like our, our dad was obviously we both love him. Oh, loved him and. He was a brilliant man in all kinds of ways. He he wrote was it he wrote two books, <laughs> The Pearl Necklace and um The Hampshire Triangle, uh which was it which one, one of them was like so graphic that the church op- there's like a rape scene in front of a church in St Mary's and the church made a big fuss about yeah, it the, he got
1: the vicar of St Mary's condemned it so they took it off the <laughs> they refused to have it on the shelves in Southampton. I think
0: that's amazing. And then he was—I remember seeing—he was so proud when he showed me the uh, a newspaper front of him holding the book up, and yeah. he was like, "Look, everyone hated. Like, everyone got so outraged by it, and he, he just found it hilarious."
1: Yeah, I think it sold a few extra copies because obviously people are interested. Well, I yeah, think. exactly. Was that
0: Auntie Bell? She read. Well, she could read like seven pages. She said it was too much for her, too vulgar or something. It
1: is pretty weird. Do we... Have you read the whole thing? Yeah,
0: really. Have you read both of them?
1: Yes, how how
0: are they of interest? Like
1: they're pretty good, and he he writes well, and his descriptions are quite blunt, and it flows very easily. I was, he was I was very proud of that, and I was very pleased. But he's a bit weird. There's a lot of stuff about pawn shops and. Uh, some sort of stepdad fancying his own stepdaughter and things is quite twisted and strange and you keep thinking this is weird and then you think oh my dad wrote this This is even weirder you don't want to think about your parents having sex let alone talking about weird kind of slightly ancestral things it's pretty odd
0: (laughs) yeah i be an odd thing but i don't know i I haven't written a book so i would i would know how far delve i could deep into the weirdness but he also um he he painted a little bit but that wasn't like a main thing he was in a few bands when he was younger, especially obviously it was Noddy Croak. Where he did the last, uh, the last gig of, um, and obviously had three kids uh, while he was alive. There's four grandkids. We're um, still, <laughs> four. I, haven't, I haven't got any at the moment, but that I know of. Hopefully not. Um, but he he did a lot with his life. He he seemed to kind of just. I think it's kind of rubbed off on on you and me a bit in the sense like you are. Well, you're in three bands at the moment. Yeah. You, you're in three bands. Uh, you're planning on writing. Well, you have written like a, a sitcom as a radio play. You, know, you spoke to me the other day about uh, a couple of children's books. I obviously do podcasting. I did music videos. Um, and that's kind of it at the moment. <laughs> but I, I've half like I wrote part of a book almost trying to, and I've I tried playing guitar one, oh, for about two weeks. Then <laughs> gave up because I'm useless. But um, it was it was always quite inspiring uh, because Dad was just like, I'm just going to do this thing and he always would. Well, from what I could tell, maybe he just said he was going to do a lot of shit and didn't. But when he was young, when, when, before I was around, like when, obviously we have different mums, so... When Dad was around when you were younger, how how was he? Because I, I, I'll i say how I remember him when I was a lot younger. When you were like 10 and stuff, I remember he threw a tape at Chris's head once, which is our other brother. Yeah, a, old...
1: a video. Not like a cassette. No, not a cassette. A VHS <laughs> tape. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember hearing Chris about that. Chris never learnt to not make him angry when he was holding stuff. <laughs> he hit him with trick. a plug once. A plug? Because that's what he was holding. He just get, it was. I think I got slapped on the leg once. But Chris was always a lot... <laughs> what worse behaved than i am yeah that's definitely i Chris. would i might have been the pain's awkward son in most families but with our older brother obviously i was the, the easier shot. one
0: yeah well, so you also went to you were like a little choir boy for a little while as well did that influence did you seem like a better person from that
1: i don't think so i used to help run the church youth club don't know for something to do because we used to just use the youth club yeah but not But dad wasn't really interested in that. And obviously dad didn't live with me then. So um, I don't think that sort of thing's affected. He was always quite grumpy and he was always quite short tempered, but he was always very happy doing, if he was doing what he wanted to do, or you were doing something that he liked or respected. Yeah. Yeah he's always a bit narrow-minded maybe but he absolutely was obsessed and full-on about the things that he did like yeah and yeah it was very difficult to convince him to like other things but if, unless he found it himself but when i was a kid he would if you were doing what he wanted to do like family things like cool things like playing tennis and as a family we we're doing those sorts of things he would always be really enjoy that and he'd be very positive yeah um and obviously anything to do with music he was always really yeah, up yeah. For you. you know chris used to play the keyboard a bit and things like that when he was younger and Dad really
0: liked that, you know. Yeah, that was the only reason I really play keyboards because Dad wanted me to do something. And obviously, it's funny when I was younger because I was in the Cubs and the Scouts and the Explorers, which none of that I really enjoyed that much. And I was I did sailing for a while. Uh, I did a lot of stuff at Fairthorn Manor, you know, doing outdoorsy stuff, even though I was a very overweight jufro jufro, very overweight, very unathletic and very sarcastic and I know it all. And now I've gotten older, I just I'm happy I could do all those things because now I'm really into all that sort of stuff. But you're saying now you got older, you haven't got a jufro. Well yeah, I haven't got a jufro. My, my unfortunately my driver's licence photo still has uh <laughs> me with a jufro and I point it out to people whenever you know we gets a giggle from if it's a female in a in yeah. a a shop or something and I can get ID'd it's like well this is embarrassing because I have a beard I couldn't grow this beard when I was like 17 but here's a picture of me where I look 17 because that's when I got my driver's uh, provisional and it didn't change the photo because I just looked the exact same from the age of like you know probably 13 14 to about 19 and then, and then I was like oh, I'm going to change my hair a little bit about 4 times and then my passport photo, cousin Charlotte says I look like a Russian paedophile in it so nice. that's good Specific, there it is, specific, but that's what our family's is like, isn't it? Nice, specific insults, but um, yeah, with dad, I remember, um, I remember him being <laughs> he was an old git sometimes. Obviously, I got I got him obviously about 20 years later. Um, I do remember it being, it, <laughs> but I don't know if you had it with your dynamic with uh, with your mum, but I had it where it was like he would he would always have he wouldn't have one opinion on something, it would just be whenever you catch him. It would be like he would say no to something, not even because he didn't want you to do it, but because you got him at the wrong time. If you get him at the right time, he would just say yes to almost anything. I kind of got that.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. The mornings were a nightmare because he would just be so miserable in the mornings and such hard work. You'd just have to stay out of his way. Yeah. I think I only got hit by him once or twice, but they were, it was It was in the morning, whether it was once or twice, but yeah. and I was just basically stood in the bathroom in the way. I didn't really do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just... And I think I'm bad in the mornings so and I think, well, I don't randomly smack people that are in my way, generally, as a rule. I
0: think I was always uh, I was always out of the house before him and I went to get up, so I didn't have to deal with him in the mornings, fortunately. Uh, and normally in the weekend mornings, he would just be in bed with a newspaper and loads of biscuits, so he'd be all right in that sense. But yeah, I'd find... Um, I remember once... it was There was a couple of weird things with him, but this was more so when I was a teenager as well. When I was dating my first, well, first girlfriend... Um, we used to sleep in the on the double bed in the guest room. And my da- dad would have such a massive fuss about that, but mum would be all right with it. And then I only found out years later, I think years after he passed away, that dad with your mum cheated on her quite a lot from what we were from what we know and it was just like you wouldn't let me sleep with my girlfriend who i'm with even though it would happen anyway he'd make such a fuss about it and i was like can i just get a double bed because the guest bedroom is next to my parents bedroom and my bedroom's on the other side of the house and my dad would always make such a fuss about it and mum had to convince him i was just like you're not stopping anything you should know this like what but then i would just show up. i go home one day because i was gonna buy the double bed and then they just showed up one day and it was there and it, and it was like something similar happened with an xbox I, I asked um i asked if i can get an xbox i was like if i pay half of it could i have the other half as a christmas present or birthday present or something and then dad made a bit of a fuss about it and i was like, okay fine i'll just save up for it and then the next day he just bought me one and i was very grateful for that opportunity and i like got i was uh, very very thankful that i, I kind of had that sort of thing with him but it was very bizarre and it, there didn't seem to be a lot of logic i mean i remember you telling me about the sofa thing
1: yeah yeah because because. obviously, yeah, cause- I wanted to borrow £30, didn't I? Well, so I went to his work and he, he just stammering at me. I'm, 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 I'm. I said, I just need to borrow £30 till the end of the week. I'm a man that owns his own company and he's like, um, I can't get the money out right now. I said, I can see the cash from your window. It's <laughs> only across the road. I know it's a busy road. but <laughs> And then it was just ridiculous. In the end, I just said, oh, don't worry about it. And I said, I just won't eat this week and I just stormed out. And then, yeah, then two months later, he just randomly bought me a new uh, like two-piece suite for about, 1400 pounds or something and it's just like but you wouldn't give me 30 quid for a week but if it's his idea yeah he'd see something out that he would think that you liked you would buy it and it could be anything and it could be you know you yeah. might have got a rolex you might have got a rolls royce when you were 12 i don't know but, do you, know what I mean? but you might have but you might you might not have you know giving you 20p yeah. to go and get some sweets, because it was your idea, I don't know. Yeah, that is, it's funny, because I remember, um,
0: I try and get him into music. Uh, this is, It's annoying, because now I'm older, there's so much music I like, that I'm certain he would be really into, but it, I try and get him into music, and he wouldn't be that into it. But there was one album, which it wasn't necessarily that amazing of an album. It was James Michael, the singer of 6am, back before he was in 6am, and it's because the, the song on there was uh, Joe Mitchell, uh, Is She Really Going Out With Him? No, I mean,
1: Joe Jackson. Joe yeah.
0: Jackson. I was, I was thinking of Joni Mitchell mixed them together. Joe Jackson, is she would really gone out with him? And Dad always used to play that song when he used to play guitar and stuff in um, in the evenings. And so when I showed him that album, I showed him that song first. And he loved the album. Even though the 6am album, he he did quite like. But he likes because you showed it to me and I showed him uh, the first album. And there was a song on there he liked the most, which was Intermission. Which is quite bizarre, because it's not the least songy song on there. Um, but it was just quite bizarre. And I remember him being like that. But I do remember him being like really really nice at random things like um one thing that did make me feel always like, really happy was um especially after he passed was he used to like read uh, newspapers and stuff obviously all the time and if if something in there a game or a film had a really good review he would buy it for me which is obviously i was kind of very grateful that i had a dad who had enough money to be able to do that sort of thing but it was quite it was really nice of him Putting effort in to something just, I know it's only reading reviews and stuff, but him then going to the shop and buying it you and know, all that sort of stuff, all just to do that. And I always found that was quite nice. Like, when, especially when I was younger, when I was 10, I remember he'd be, he'd always say I was intelligent to everyone else and tell what big people up about me being intelligent. And then he'd always call me an idiot all the time, constantly. Like, I think he probably called me that more than almost anything. Or he used to say, um, I have a face for the radio, and if I had a brain, I'd be dangerous. That was the main one. If I do anything wrong, like, oh, if you had a brain, you'd be dangerous. I, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to this one minor thing. I remember once, in fact, he actually had a go at me because I was spreading lemon curd on toast wrong. Legit. Like, I was just in the kitchen making lemon curd on toast. And he came around, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just making lemon curd on toast. And he's like, you're spreading it all wrong. And I was like, it's my fucking toast. I don't There's a right or wrong way of spreading it if I'm going to
1: eat it. Did you... um was that the sort of thing you got from him as well? Yeah, he was pretty pedantic, wasn't he? he had to, it was, you know, it's that saying, my way or the highway, he was very much like that. He'd mm. he'd already have in his head what the best way was. Yeah, And even if you kind of proved him wrong in that moment, he couldn't take it. Maybe later on he might, he wouldn't necessarily admit that you were right, but he would take it on board. But in that moment, you know, he liked to be the smartest and he liked to be in control. And, you know, you know I think in life he liked to be the... An old-fashioned man of the house you know mm. he was the smartest he was the breadwinner and you know i don't know yeah. how he would you know i think well, my mum probably earned more money than him for a while but when they owned a rest home but it was still partly his you know yeah i don't think he would deal particularly well he's very quite old-fashioned like that i think that yeah his dad's very old-fashioned you know obviously a previous generation but mm. i think he liked his place to be like head of the table, you know.
0: Oh yeah, he always. He also became because obviously he was the oldest of uh, four siblings. Well, him including him in, him included in those in the four, uh, and obviously you know that probably gave it a very complex. And then obviously he started his own company and all these sorts of other things. It was like he was an incredibly intelligent man, like incredibly intelligent. That was probably that was almost the crux because a lot of the time he'd he'd think he's right all the time, but the problem is that he was right. A quite a high percentage of the time which would make it worse because then he'd be all I told you so about this sort of thing and then he just couldn't take he couldn't take being wrong and I, I developed that because my mum was a bit like that at points but it just became this thing where I could never admit I was wrong either and it was weird dynamic when you're in a house full of three people and none of them commit are wrong so was, was your mum like that with him I'm interested because I know you said your mum and my mum were quite similar in a lot of ways. Some ways, yeah. Mum doesn't listen to the podcast, so you don't have to worry about that.
1: I can't imagine my mum listening.
0: Um, I highly doubt it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to listen to anyone else's podcast. She's too busy doing hers about, I do know, whatever it is. But the, uh, I don't know. I suppose my mum was... Yeah, my mum was... You yeah, know not dissimilar to yours, quite like kind of nice things and materialistic, quite materialistic, I suppose. And yeah. like all the things going out for dinners and things like this. And I think they were quite similar, but obviously she would, she would stand up for us quite a lot. And my brother was always in trouble mm. and my dad would quite often run away, yeah. which is quite funny because he broke his leg didn't he, when I was six. That was so, when
0: he skydived, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. He did parachute jump and landed wrong and his, I don't, it didn't break the skin, but this bone snapped and it, you could see it sticking up.
0: Yeah, he said it was like his foot was almost basically like hanging off essentially because the, the bone had snapped, so it was hanging, keeping it on the inside was like all the, the tendons yeah, and the veins and stuff. Right. So
1: when he runs, he runs with his leg sideways. It's quite funny to watch. It's kind of like a slightly kind of uh, confused chicken. And, um, <laughs> but you, Chris would get in trouble and dad would hobble away. And then my mum would have to deal with it, you know. And I think Chris, it was... Chris rolled a barrel of wine off. I think in the supermarket, not like a giant keg, but it was pretty big. Yeah. It rolled off and cracked, and all the liquid was pouring out. And we all looked down at the barrel. When we looked up, well, we just saw his dad's wonky leg going around the corner. He'd done a <laughs> runner and was in a different aisle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does. That does sound uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot like him. It's one of those weird things where it's just kind of like I feel like I imagine you had this obviously the dynamics we had with dad were very different because obviously he was in my life till when i was 18 then he got ill uh and then obviously when i was 19 he was gone whereas with you what time did did him and your mother uh split how old were you i always get this mixed up i come
1: i think of somewhere between between about 12 and 14 i think that's I probably yeah about about 13 or 14 so
0: yeah so it was around that time and then obviously he sort of ghosted you for quite a while which is a horrendous thing to do but then um I found I feel like the, like with mum right now like when I was living with her especially after dad passed understandably she was a fucking pain in the ass I couldn't stand her for a while uh, and then we moved as soon as we moved out it was like the dynamic changes and it means it, when you're not in each other's hair all the time you can get on a bit better did you find once you kind of ironed out the kinks a little bit when you got a bit older when you are sort of my sort of age
1: I think I think with dad as well I think because the things that he liked were obviously his favourite thing was like speedway and he liked, obviously, music, and he liked things like wine and things like that. Yeah. These are things that Dad wanted to talk about. Yeah. And if you could hold a sensible conversation with him or show that you had some knowledge in it, he would really respect that, and then he would want to, obviously, chat back with you. And obviously, the older you get, the easier these things are. Hmm. It's not particularly fair, because obviously, (laughs) you should be trying to talk about things that you want to talk about too. Yeah. Fortunately, I was quite a, a wino when I was about eight. <laughs> no, well, it's not totally true. I was drunk when I was seven. But um, <laughs> but, um. but so as I got older, we talked about these things more. And obviously, I'm... Um, um, really into speedway, you know. So
0: for people who just don't know, a speedway is just, it's dirt bikes racing on a on a track, isn't it? It's just like oval shaped track. Generally, four bikes. Uh, each heat is about three or so, is
1: it three minutes. About or is it? A minute. The fastest accelerating vehicle on earth.
0: There you go. I remember, like I was never that into it, but I remember it's for me it was always the least to displays what you're really into, but it's, out of all the sports I could have watched, it was probably the least bad, in a sense. Not, I, I'm, now I look at it and I go, that's actually, I can, I can see the appeal, but I'm not really into any sports. But like you watch football, it's like an hour and a half, and the average is what, like two or three goals? It's like an hour and a half, and maybe three things happen, whereas Speedway is like, you know, it's, it's a minute or so.
1: Yeah, it's 15 races for a minute. The good thing is Formula One, lastly, say hours and hours and hours, and nothing happens, whereas if it's a bad race... Well, it's over and there's different people racing the next one so you've got more chances. of something. but but you know I was brought up with it and uh dad used to always go quite often Wednesday nights and I would have to stay with my mum and kind of always wondered where he went and what this amazing thing was you know so I think yeah. we used to go occasionally and after a while I really got into it so we shared that so we would talk about speedway and things like that and obviously you know we could we, you know he would talk to me about that and you know I think that was easier for me because we had that thing in common. It's that thing as well, like I said before, if you're a football fan, yeah. you turn on the TV or you look outside and there's something about football and everyone's talking about it and it's mm. there in your face if you want it or not. Yeah. The Speedway is... nobody knows what it is. Yeah, So it's a very small minority. So you didn't have anyone else to talk to about it because obviously... Our older brother didn't mind it, you know, but he wasn't into it like I was, Mm. you know, like I know all the riders and their faces and their names and I'm, you know, and a bit of a kind of nerd of it all, I suppose. And, you know, we both were really into that. So it was quite easy because it was something that we shared and I think it made, it made that easier in a way because he wanted to talk to me about it because no one else knows about it. (laughs) Yeah how oh, I was luckily to be the only person he knows really yeah. <laughs> that can well, talk about what he wants to talk about. Yeah, it's
0: funny with Dad, because I when, I when I was younger, I used to think he was quite sociable, because you see him in a social situation, he's very charismatic, he likes kind of, in a lot of times being the centre of attention, he was, was quite funny a lot of the time, he's very intelligent, and it's like, but then you realise that he actually wants to make no effort with anyone, really, a lot of the time, and he would just be happy being by himself for extended periods of time, a lot of the time. And... Yeah, I was really like he'd be happiest just you know sat playing guitar by himself and when we were on holiday he'd just walk go away by himself and sit and play under a tree for a little bit You know, it's a lot of solidarity but as I got older when I was a teenager probably I was <laughs> quite difficult or not, probably not as difficult as most teenagers I imagine but I was probably a bit of a pain in the ass because of <laughs> as I remember this was only when I was what 10 or something but when uh, we were in Starbucks uh, upstairs and then uh, I was being a twat so you th- was it you threw my
1: my shoe or something i I did that's not the coolest thing i've ever done i did yeah i took your shoe off and in the end to try and make a point i threatened to throw it and you wouldn't stop going on and talking so i threw it and then you had to go and get it off some strangers i think
0: yeah yeah i I vaguely remember that but i I was a
1: (laughs) not my finest hour either
0: (laughs) well you're my older brother so you know (laughs) you you know we used to go to sega park and um you know, play was, was it Dakota?
1: Is that was the name it of it? Daytona, Daytona,
0: that was it. I know what it looks like, and I remember the game itself. I also remember playing House of the Dead a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun with the House of the Dead 3 with the shotguns. And then Sega Park is only a thing of the past now. Bargate got knocked down the other day. Oh, yeah. Right. It's completely gone. I know it was closed and uh, uh, it was like, empty for quite a while, two years or something. And yeah, I walked past it the other day, it's gone. Yeah, I
1: suppose, I suppose I could still take you to Burger King for healthy lunches,
0: couldn't I? Oh, yeah, because I used to eat nothing, and then i come home one day to Mum, Mum, I'd like a new food, and she was hoping it would be like celery or lettuce, and it was extra large double bacon cheeseburger meals with barbecue sauce. <laughs> it's like, great, the only thing in the world that you, eat that you could possibly eat that's less healthy than chicken nuggets. <laughs>
1: yeah, good work on my part, I had to look for that.
0: Yeah, well, you did it, you managed to, that was the turning point. My would, I think my mum would just always get you to get me to try new things but i think i just just to get into more stuff that was maybe unhealthy yeah maybe i can blame you for being an overweight child i'm gonna blame you for that now i'm not my parents maybe I, Even,
1: did, I did drop you once as well so you know there's lots of. <laughs> this could be just like a show of guilt about the bad things i've done
0: yeah well i do have a big dent in the back of my head so i mean they they say it was because i was an alien baby who had to take it out what's the name of the forcepi things uh I've no idea, but uh, you know when uh, if the baby's been in the woman too long and they have to pull it out with the vacuum cleaner suctiony things. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently that made my head all pointy and you all called me an alien baby. Conehead. Conehead.
1: Yeah. You that is film? that from?
0: Is that from uh, Hellraiser? No,
1: that's pinhead. Coneheads is a film. Like the, they're aliens. Dan Aykroyd really? in it, and they've all got pointy heads. Yeah. Huh.
0: I've not seen that film. It's not a great film. It's all right. Not great. I'm glad I was compared to not a great film either. It could not be like a cool film because Xenomorph like put my tongue out. It's got another little tongue on it. Yeah, that'd be not that'd be gr- very strange. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah. Well, with with Dad, I was thinking like um, obviously <laughs> a lot of things we've said sound very negative, which uh, I imagine my time with Dad was probably a bit more positive than yours in a lot of ways because he probably as he got older. Do you think he got do you th- when he was in his sixties to when he was in his. 40s do you think he was actually that different
1: not really the basics were the same I think and also for me I think it swings and roundabouts because he was a bit more chilled out when perhaps when you were born and when you were about but as I said maybe I, I got him maybe because I was an adult you know mm. I got some of the things I got some of the bonuses of being another adult you know see, being seen as another adult yeah, yeah and and therefore he would talk to me and take his time and so you know with the speedway stuff we would chat for quite a long time about it you know and and things like that and especially if dad had a few drinks you could catch him in the right mood he he would be very chatty you know yeah yeah and he would give you stuff (laughs) was that you told me was it? he you got him was it you got him drunk or and I didn't purposely, I didn't, there wasn't like a plan. I didn't turn around here and like sneak booze into him to try and steal from him. It wasn't like that. It was, it was just a barbecue. He was quite drunk and then we were talking about stuff and he just kind of suggested, uh, I think I took his, I had his amp and his mic and his mic stand and randomly a Travelling Wilbury's album. But then he would then, every four, maybe six months, would then try and get them back saying I'd stolen them. And I told him he could have them back, but he was a that he'd given them to me and he was trying to deny it. And i still got it all, so I don't know. I, think.
0: I do remember he was... Uh, I can't remember many of the dad jokes, uh, him saying any, but I do remember the best one, which was when you used to do band practice in his office and him getting out that giant fan and him getting a post-it note on it and say, Rob's biggest fan. I thought that was one of the funniest things ever, but I think that was probably about seven years ago now.
1: I think um, one time he bought six fans and it just said Rob's fan club. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, brilliant.
1: Any fan base humour.
0: Yeah, that's great. I like that sort of stuff. It cracks me up. But, um, yeah, that, even though a lot of things are saying, it doesn't sound great on Dad. But, um, you know, I, I did respect him. Obviously, he did his own company. He was a twat a lot of the time. But it was, you could get him at the right times. So I think all my mates really, really liked him because he'd always try and, not be a dick around mates and stuff.
1: Yeah, I think he was reasonably sociable, and I think he was quite comfortable in his own skin, and I think he was quite confident. He was very confident in his in his in his own rightful place, where he felt happy. Yeah, I think, you know, and I think probably he probably hid a lot of his insecurities. Very, he's not a person that let his feelings out massively. You know, I I never
0: saw Dad cry, and uh, he only ever apologised to me once, which I'll get into in a bit, but that's it, he's never, I remember yelling a lot and not apologising. There was one point I remember, which was the moment when I was a teenager and I, I lost a lot of respect for him, unfortunately, which was I once we were arguing about something, I was, this was when I was 16, and um, I, was, I said to him, I was like, you know, you're not always right. And he shouted in my face, yes, I am. And I was like, okay, just, I just can't, what's even the point then? When someone's that sort of anal about their own intelligence, it's a bit like, what's even the point? you know that that did bother me quite a lot but then I I think with dad it was a lot of that as you said sort of thing where sometimes it's just you let these little these little things go just because it's he will never ever apologise he just wouldn't so you just kind of have to let little things go to just deal with things
1: yeah I think you know they always say that you know you can't choose your family and I think I think you have to make the most of what you've got and I don't think You know, people will say you've only got one mum you've only got one dad you've only got this and that you know Uh, and I think it's true but I don't think necessarily that you have to you know think the sun shines out of their ass just because it's this and I don't think that you have to necessarily spend all your time with them because if they're very horrible you know my dad was never purposely horrible he was very stubborn and very selfish Mm. and I think probably quite self-righteous at times yeah but he wasn't a horrible person you know no and And we made him sound like a kind of angry know-it-all (laughs) child-beating toss but (laughs) that's where I get it from but um, you know he was what he was and as you say he was very likeable and he was very charismatic and when he was in the mood you know we used to go to Cardiff all the time for the speedway yeah I used to as well yeah he used to moan all the time it was too noisy and uh (laughs) Yeah, the only person who didn't want air horns, Chris and I, when we were kids, Chris used to sneak up on you and just put the air horn end over your ear, and my f- face would feel like it was vibrating for about three hours, and uh, you, you, you're the only kid we ever knew that didn't like the air horns, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, that was me. Well, because we used to go well, quite often, and and your mum would come with us as well, your mum never really likes B-Way, and she just likes shopping in the, in Cardiff, so yeah. it would quite quite often if your mum came, it would end up being like a shopping session, and we would kind of follow around that one or two beers, and then occasionally we'd end up going without your mum and just the three of us and it could be quite a heavy session you know yeah yeah and it was and some of that was quite cool and dad would have a few beers and sort of relax you know yeah yeah and you know i was telling you earlier before this about obviously me spilling the milkshake and going down the steps well dad knocked over a whole pint of guinness in the grandstand and you watched all these people jump up one (laughs) by one and he just looked he'd looked away as if it was nothing to do with him at all he was really drunk and it was just it was just good fun and he was in the right mood if you caught him in the right mood you know he, he was a really good laugh and he was really good fun and i think yeah. around other people we he would step it up and put more effort in you know
0: yeah yeah it was a thing, you know obviously it does go that same but Obviously, we were very much missed dad um especially now i'm older it's quite annoying because well i moved out especially the relationship with mum has gotten so much better and as i've gotten older i kind of know like when I was younger, I was more naive of Dad's flaws. I didn't notice them all until I got more teenager, and then obviously after he passed, it became a lot more apparent what some of his flaws were. obviously you have always been older than me, so you've always kind of already seen the flaws. So it, it's it's a weird it's a weird dynamic. But obviously, I Dad was I he wasn't the best dad in the entire world, but I don't really I'm not sure if anyone really can take that stand. I don't know how anything could be, but he he did make. I don't know if it's genetics or the way he was, but it did always make me want to strive for more. He was congratulatory when you actually, when you did do something right, or at least when I, I can't speak for you, obviously, yeah. but, you know, with me, when I, uh, when I got the job at Wizbear and when I was making music videos and he, when he was live during the time of me making them and when I got my certificate grade two or whatever in keyboard and when I got quite good grades with maths, he was always very congratulatory and always very, you did a lot of hard work, and I appreciate that because obviously, I mean Dad grew up. He was born in forty nine. Uh, that was right, wasn't it? Forty nine. Yeah, yeah, so obviously yeah. it was like four years after after the war had ended. The family was like the one of the poorest possible, wasn't it? It was like four kids uh, with the parents, um, Grandpa who I, I never met. It was like um, he was. Did, did uh, Grandma have a job? Like I know. Obviously, Grandma died when. Was that around you, the time you were born?
1: No, I never met her. I think she died when Chris was about two, and Chris is four and a half years older than me, so I never met her. Yeah. Um. So I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. I mean, Grandpa worked and he was a radio in radio repair shop. Yeah. Because they called him Mac because it was Mac radios that he worked for. Oh. Okay. So his nickname was Mac because he would. Uh, yeah, he was quite an amazing person because I say he had some a spinal injury from. He used to, do the human fly. He used to run up the wall in the lounge and touched the ceiling it was his trick that he would do for people okay and then he, he fell off it one day and damaged his back and they said that he would never have he had a family and things and he had real bad spinal damage he always had he was always quite crooked yeah walking but yeah he got uh he got on with it
0: did the business well because yeah, dad was like the miracle baby wasn't he that's what uh i
1: think that's what dad probably told you
0: yeah i think it probably <laughs> is what dad told me yeah he called himself the miracle baby yeah yeah, it does not sound like that.
1: <laughs> I don't know, and yeah, yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, they were they weren't expecting it, obviously. But obviously, he was only a quarter of the miracles, because obviously those four. Well, of yeah, up, really. It was
0: the first miracle, and then after, by the end, it was like, okay, maybe not so much of a miracle yeah. by comparison.
1: Yeah, I think perhaps someone should have given Grampy the uh, birds and the bees talk. <laughs> it's not a miracle. <laughs> That's where it's supposed to go. <laughs> but, yeah, obviously he was very poor, and
0: then he did. I don't know what his financial situation was when he was with. Uh, your mum and stuff like what what did he work at he worked in Fording didn't he and that's how he kind of started his company when he was with my mum he just knew all the contacts and he just
1: yeah he'd always worked and he was obviously quite high up in shipping yeah shipping and forwarding. yeah um, when I was born in Winchester just because we lived in Winchester because it was at the time much cheaper to live in Winchester than Southampton really huh. so they found a cheap place in Winchester to live and my dad just slowly got you know, better jobs as he went along and moved up, and he got a much better job in Southampton, so they moved back to Southampton, so, we were, so obviously out of us, like, I was the only one born in Winchester because everyone else we've always been hanging around sort of Southampton. Well, so I, was, so I was
0: born in Portsmouth only You were enough. born in Portsmouth, yeah. Yeah, I was
1: about to say, but at the, at the time, because yeah. obviously all his family were all Wollstone, you know? I think
0: all of our family now basically all live within a, what, a pretty... Th- Including us, even like you know, with Chris, you, me, Charlotte, Uncle Chris, Uncle John, Beryl, we all live within what, probably three miles of each other. I think all of them, excluding me and you, excluding me and you, I think Chris, other Chris, and the rest of them, they would probably live within about a mile of each other.
1: Yeah, it's been cess, John. <laughs> geographically incestual is that yes yeah. i think it's
0: incestually convenient that's <laughs> geographically ancestrally convenient that's it it's gonna name the podcast can give people the wrong impression geocestical oh geocestical that's very, <laughs> I, that could be taken in so many different ways and probably all of them being wrong
1: uh yeah because yeah i think um obviously dad's brother lived in eastleigh for quite a while and that's why i Cousin Wayne lives probably Eastleigh way now because that's where he was brought up. You know. Oh, okay. I not know that. So he yeah. lives in Charles Ford, but um, yeah. yeah, they're all pretty much around Wollstone Way. So everyone was born in Southampton, but we moved to Winchester for a while because it was cheaper. We lived, well, I think, when we moved. I know that they before I was born they lived in St Mary's. but okay. it was quite rough and yeah, I know there was quite a lot of issues there. And I think they had a chance to move to Winchester for a similar money. You know, yeah, yeah, and it was much nicer. So they they went to Winchester because it was cheaper to be there then and. Yeah. Obviously, he worked his way up in shipping, and um, obviously, his jobs got better. But basically, I think what happened was, I think the band they were in at the time had a chance to make a bit more money and be a bit more serious, but they wanted them to do covers, and they were going over to play for all the forces, and they were going for Germany and all sorts of places. Yeah. Um, and Dad had just got the best job he'd ever had, and his money had gone up, and he, mum was pregnant with Chris. Oh, okay. And so, mum used to sing in the band as well. Um, and obviously they had to make a choice. They needed a steady income because obviously it was like three months, and they would be back mm. after the tour without any job prospects. Yeah. So dad had to quit the band and chose to stay and obviously make money for their son to be. You know. Yeah. So I think that sort of changed things quite a lot. But yeah, he was. He's always worked in shipping pretty much since he was a teenager. Mm. But obviously, yeah, the more people you know, and you move up, and you get more respect, and people come to you and obviously it's much easier to open your own company and work from there because you've people know your experience and yeah they know that you get it done so i think-
0: yeah i think my well, dad had one of the more conservative outlooks uh, on life especially because in his mind obviously see, when i was about obviously the first few years that i was about him and mum were really quite poor and then once his company sort of started going he had obviously quite a bit more money and we were you know fairly well off and um, I think his thing was he always he was always working hard, you know. It was nine to five Monday to Friday, and then also Saturday, Sunday. He would usually be working nine till twelve as well, and he'd always have that striving work ethic. And he'd kind of I think it's kind of rubbed off on uh, me and you a little bit in the sense where obsession makes it sound quite a negative connotation, but you know, with things you get quite uh, mean, you get fixated on stuff, whether it's movies or like, like it's movies or music or this or that, you just want to you know if I had my way I'd just be podcasting all the time that's basically all I do and obviously you're much more musical and a lot more talented than I am so yours would be, you know, you're you in three bands at the moment I
1: don't know about that but yeah obviously they're different things aren't they obviously the he's very driven dad but the work ethic thing I think is obviously strong in all of us and probably well, Chris, that, Chris does Matt, I want his pretense
0: Chris I don't know what he does extracurricular wise but he does he does a manual labour job which is a lot more taxing than probably anything you or I do because it's I did work with him for, you know, six years ago and it killed me. <laughs>
1: yeah, obviously, but Chris, obviously, he's got a very strong work ethic and goes in all the time. And the, oh, yeah, he's always working. Him. And I think we've got that from him. And I yeah. think, obviously, that side of things, we know, you know, I think when you're wearing your money and you feel proud of it, you know? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I think Dad lost his... Work. Sometimes Dad struggled to look back. So I think he would struggle to see you know like me saying can I borrow 30 pounds I don't think he could understand why I'd need to borrow 30 pounds
0: because in his mind he was like I've got money yeah, so,
1: yeah. Why, why haven't you got savings yeah you know yeah. the situation is but if you remember back if you went back 20-30 years you were there you know yeah you, you know far back you were living in St Mary's and you were struggling yeah he didn't look back like that I think dad was always looking forward
0: yeah which was think, one of the things
1: yeah not to say that's a totally a fault all the time or anything like that oh but no but just, that was one of the that,
0: problems when he got older especially when he started to get ill uh, yeah. I don't
1: know because I think perhaps when he was ill, him looking forward and thinking what he was going to do next was probably a maybe a positive for him because even though it wasn't realistic, mm. it kind of gave him hope and drive, you know.
0: Well, yeah, I've heard it. Well, well, it's probably quite nice. I want to just a pretense, obviously. I think we've spent that quite a lot. It's it, he was, he was a, a great man, he was, he was probably not the best man like uh, morally but he was a good person I think in a heart he could be a bit of a dick sometimes but he was a good person and he was uh, he's very intelligent and very driven um and then obviously he got ill uh and that was that was when I was 18 um when he got when I got, I mean when he when he told me um I remember I came home from it was college, because it was the second year of college. Uh, I think it was when he got ill. Um, yeah, I was like 17 or 18. And um, he'd always had... I don't know if he had it with you when uh, you were younger or anything, but he always had indigestion, just all the time. And then I remember he was always taking Gavascon for years and years. And then <clears throat> the doctors eventually gave him a pill, which sorted of out stomach acid. Then for about, about two or three years, he was basically symptomless, and he was completely yeah, fine. Me- Meprazone. Yeah, and then... Suddenly it was not working and then they looked deeper and then obviously it hit the whole, however long it had been, it was Barrett's syndrome that had become cancer. And I think it's, for layman's terms, from what I understand it, if you know more about it than I do, but what I, when what I describe it to people in really, really layman's terms, it's kind of like your stomach acid essentially is too much or splashes against your esophagus. Essentially it burns around it. You get little polyps on there, which can create, which is basically Barrett's syndrome. And then if they become cancerous, Becomes cancer. Yeah, they
1: don't I mean they don't always become cancerous. Yeah. And obviously they can be treated reasonably
0: easily, you know. But if they pick it up early enough, that's the problem. because the line between having a bit of indigestion quite a lot, especially when you like spicy food, compared to having I something think it's
1: that's a difficult wrong. one to, to notice, you know. Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean if, also as I've said to other people before one of the things that scares me a little bit of cancer is you know, you just everyone gets it where you're just walking down the street or you're just doing something and then you just get a stabbing pain. It could be in your leg, it could be in your chest, it could be in your arm, anywhere, just a random pain. Just about two or three seconds, and it's gone. And it's just like, what was that? I don't know. That's could... why
1: you shouldn't look on the internet.
0: Well, that's the thing. You look on the internet, and it tells you that you've got cancer and you're dying, you've got three weeks to live. So I try not to do that too much, but you have to have an air of caution. I mean, if you keep getting the same feeling over and over again, you should probably go to the is doctors.
1: It's at cheerydiagnosis.com.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, what, bad, bad news. Your balls are going to fall off. <laughs> yeah.
0: A paper cut, you're just going to get infected, you're going to get gangrene, you're going to have your arm amputated. But, um, yeah, he got he got ill, he got and Well, basically he had baritone syndrome, then that became cancer. And he, he sat... <clears throat> him and mum sat me down uh, in the front room in our lounge, I remember. And they both were very serious. And sat down and he apologised, which is what I said earlier. You know, the only time dad has ever apologised to me, the only time he's ever said sorry, was when he told me he had cancer, which is... I'd rather he just never apologised to me, if I'm honest. But it was... He explained, he said, you know... Got this, it's probably terminal. We're hoping that the chemo and the radiotherapy and stuff will sort it. But I think when he told me at the time, they thought he might have a few years. Uh, and he, yeah, he just said, when he explained it all to me, he just said, I'm I'm sorry. So I I was just like, fucking hell, you don't. I didn't say that to fucking hell, I didn't say it to anything. I I swore ever around dad, but um, you know. I don't know where he's coming from, but it's just quite upsetting that the only time Dad has ever apologized to me ever is when he's saying sorry for having cancer, and it's like that's the one time in your life, Dad, where you do not need to apologize for anything. You know, it's it it's a uh, it's really shit, obviously, because Dad ten you have cancer is awful, and then Well when how we'll get into the, the more details a little bit as we go, but when how did you find
1: out of interest? Because obviously, I think he phoned me up. That it was either that day or the next day, mm. as he said he told you, mm. yeah, and he just said. Basically phoned up and just said he not went very well. He would had problems of his chest and he'd gone in and they'd found out that he had cancer and mm. it was yeah as you say he, he thought pretty much that was that was going to be it and it, he was waiting to see pretty much how long they thought he'd have yeah know. and yeah it was quite a weird one it was quite a, obviously quite a, st- a kind of stunner you know yeah kind of stopped me in my tracks but yeah it was quite. See one of the heavier vocals I've had yeah and definitely
0: uh, well it's like as um, there's uh, two points which is um, you know as as you got older obviously you got a bit closer to dad especially you you often had to be the one to make all the effort with dad that was kind of unfortunately the point of it but if you made the effort then especially yeah. when speedway season was on then you'd get that but I was just going to say one thing of um, you I remember you saying before um, when you split up with your previous partner when you called up dad I remember you telling me about that where it was just he was probably the only person who wasn't...
1: Yeah, yeah, I phoned up and said, you know, I said I'd finished, we were finished and I wasn't there anymore and it was it was over and, yeah, and everyone else was kind of, like, kind of disgusted with me and kind of disappointed and everything else and Dad just went, oh, that's a shame, have you seen the speedway results? And then he just started talking about the speedway like he always did and yeah, it was slightly reassuring and it was just like a he was an accidental rock, you know, because he obviously was just the same slightly thoughtless, speedway-obsessed <laughs> idiot that he was the day before, and he was the only person that hadn't got upset. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, that was quite interesting. I so, said, well, the thing of me, as I said before, that Dad would only ever phone me for the speedway. Yeah. And he would phone me to tell me, as I said to you before, we were talking about this before, and Dad kind of was quite slow. He was always a with technology, but he was... A bit behind everyone else. Yeah. And then suddenly he found out, obviously, on the internet, you could find everything he ever wanted to know out, which was only really Speedway. <laughs>
0: Speedway music.
1: And then every morning he would pretty much, every morning on the British Speedway website, there would obviously be updates, and they would tell you like two or three lots of new news. And then mm. every morning, well, probably three mornings a week, he would phone me and say, have you seen the website? And if I would say yes, he'd go, oh, so you know about? And I'd say, yeah, and that would be that. And yeah. You go right. Well, see you later then. Yeah. So I learned after a while to just pretend I hadn't yeah. heard it. So I read it. So I'd already read it this morning because I was exactly the same as him. As soon as I got to work, I'd looked. Yeah. But I just go, no, I haven't seen it. What's happening? And he would just explain it to me in massive detail, almost word for word. Yeah. And it was just a good way of getting some extra contact, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, I kind of enjoyed that. So it was quite weird to actually get a phone call from him that wasn't about Speedway. It's kind of like, oh.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember. <clears throat> i remember at his funeral um one of the things you said and we were talking about it before because obviously me you, and chris uh hung out uh before the funeral and just trying to work out what we'd sort of say um and you saying one of the strangest kind of upsetting things was straight after he passed away you kind of you'd find out something about speedway and be like oh i'll tell dad about that oh and it's i kind of had that with music a bit especially as i've gotten older now it's yeah, I'll go into more detail of that later but I just wanted to say that thing with you linking with Speedway I remember you saying that and being like
1: yeah yeah because you know you, as I said no one else follows Speedway so it's one of those things I've got, I haven't got anyone else to tell you anything. you think that's exciting news oh I told Dad about that and that used to go on for quite a long time you know yeah. Like, oh yeah I'll give him oh yeah I can't I remember even sometimes dreaming about phoning him up or the phone ringing and it being him you know yeah and it was it was very, very it was very strange yeah um you know, he kind of suddenly wasn't there, and I know that, uh, yeah, Chris and I convinced him pretty much to go to a funeral meeting. He hadn't gone all year and wasn't feeling too good. Yeah, we kind of convinced him he didn't really want to go, and he kind of just about went. And it wasn't a great meeting, but um, I think probably two thirds of the night he was absolutely fine, and, and then he kind of he went really distant, and we kind of it was just like an empty sort of shell of someone. And then he took some the morphine and. About 20 minutes later, he was back again, and he was dad, and he was talking about it, and he really enjoyed it, and it was great. And then, obviously, I think about two, two and a half weeks later, he was gone. Yeah, yeah. So we were kind of really, really chuffed that we kind of got and made him go one last time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because it was, because um, basically, when he got more and more ill, I mean, the first, I think the first year that he was ill, he was noticed, you could tell he was ill, but it wasn't, it wasn't too obvious. Obviously, yeah, there's a point where he fall over at the Swamp pub and he his leg and ear crutches for a bit. But like generally I'd say the first year he was still generally dad. And then for the last six months or so he just he slowly deteriorated, not just because of his body was being eaten away by it all, but also because you're on so many pain like the amount of pills he was taking because obviously I lived with them so I could see everything. The amount of pills he was taking, he wasn't eating properly and all these sorts of other things. He just became like one of Dad's main things was, was quick and intelligent, and obviously, there's more parts of his personality than that. But when you had him be quite slow and distant and couldn't quite focus on things anymore, and he, he stopped watching movies because he just couldn't really follow them because he'd get halfway through and kind of forget, and that sort of stuff is like I kind of I, I imagine that's a lot of what having Alzheimer's is kind of like. And that's one of the whole like when people die of that sort of thing, it's horrendous. And you just watch them kind of, they're in their own head so much they become like a shell. And that that was what kind of happened towards the end with him, especially because I'd see him every day, and it was <clears throat> it was just getting it was getting worse. than the last, obviously, few weeks. I mean, what was it? On my birthday, he played the Noddy Croak gig, where obviously we've got the the video, got the video footage of that and stuff. Yes, yeah, so
1: that was the reunion of his of his band of his that we teenage were. band. Yeah yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So um, and he played on stage. He had a neck brace on and a crutch, but he still sang, sang pretty damn well. And um, yeah, he was on stage for like an hour, like. That was two months almost to the day before he died of cancer. Like, it's insanely impressive, the drive, being able to get to do that. And, uh, yeah, I remember him deteriorating getting worse and stuff, and it was obviously horrendous to watch, and then the chemo obviously wasn't working, and the radiotherapy wasn't working, and eventually they just had to stop it because it would be the thing to kill him. And then there was a point I remember where it was dad and mum's wedding anniversary which I think was early May I think uh, or late April and I remember him being too ill to get her a card so he asked me to go get one and that was when he did that and I got and did that that was it I was like god I'm gonna fucking lose him soon I could just tell and it was like because it's a weird one because you get certain family members like Uncle Steve who died unfortunately a year later where you get no warning or anything and People have asked me before, my opinions on uh, not quite as bluntly as would you have preferred your dad to die the same date but in a blink or just like over time. And it's, I don't think there's a right answer in a sense, obviously it depends on the person. But like, with Uncle Steve, I always remember Uncle Steve being Uncle Steve and then he was gone. And it was the shock that hurt more than almost anything. And obviously I wasn't as close to Uncle Steve as my own dad, but it was the shock that hurt the most. Whereas with Dad, when he was actually gone, it was almost like a relief because the few weeks leading up to that, he was so ill, and he was in so much pain. It was nice to him finally be at peace. But the unfortunate part is, especially because of where I was younger, there is a percentage of my memory of him being ill, and that's that's really shit. You know, it's it's that upset of the last six months or so, where I'd spend obviously, as you see him getting more ill, you'd spend you make an effort to spend more time with him. And that means that you have more memories of him being ill, yeah, which is awful. But on on the last day, uh, on the day that he, he died, actually, I remember. I'm so it would be my biggest regret ever if Mum hadn't got me to do this, and I'm so fucking happy, Mum. If, if there's anything Mum's ever done for me that I appreciate, it is this one thing, which was um, I was going to work because I'd I'd been at work at that point uh WizBit, which I've spoken about before, but I was working at WizBit as, as an apprentice and I'd been there since February and Dad passed uh mid to late May and the morning that he died uh the morning of the day that he died uh I was running late and stuff and I, I was in a terrible mood for some reason. I was trying to rush about my mum was like, "I'll come and come say come say hi to dad and I was like, I'm really in a hurry, I really need to go. She's like and just come say hi to Dad. And there's a part of me that was really like I really need to go. But a part of me was just like no, I'll go see dad. And I'm so fucking glad because if I hadn't, I'd regret it so much. And I went and I saw him and he was in bed and he was obviously very, very old. And that was at the point where the last couple of weeks or the last week or so, I think he was just completely bedridden. Um, and I spoke to him and I, he was like, oh, How are you doing? I was like, Yeah, I'm just going to work and stuff. And he was like, oh, I'm really proud of you. I was like, oh, Thanks, dad. You know, he was like, I'm really proud that you've done this, that, and the other. And then, you know, dad. <clears throat> I've, he would hug me, or like when I was younger, especially you know I'd always make an effort to hug him and stuff. But he was never the most overly affectionate. But I just remember you know the last, the last thing Dad ever said to me was that he loved me. You know I, I hugged him in, when he was in bed, and I said you know, and he was like I love you, son. and I was like I love you too, Dad. You know, and I'll see you later. And obviously I didn't. And it was that was the day where because <clears throat> I think you went over shortly after that and again that morning because that's when he moved from there to the hospice Yeah. and obviously from what you tell me that was fucking horrendous where they just couldn't get him out properly trying to get him on the sort of stretcher and then they had trouble getting down the stairs and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I think he was a bit confused and I think he obviously wasn't sure what was going on. Obviously I convinced them to just use his sheet that he was on and just slide him across on it you know and then bring the sheet back later and we weren't worried about that we just wanted him to be comfortable and obviously As I said to you before, I kind of, he looked so confused and lost, and I held his hand and said, it's all right, Dad, it's all right, they're just taking you down the stairs, which surprised me, because the, they were brilliant, but they normally explain what they're doing, and they didn't, you know? Yeah. And he he looked at me and kind of smiled, and he was making some... Later on, when we saw him again, he was making some funny noises, and he wasn't himself at all. No. But he was totally quiet in the bed, but he looked, he just smiled at me and looked reassured, and I squeezed his hand, you know? Yeah. And I said, it's all right, Dad, they're just taking you... And you know down the the stairs, and then you'd be alright You'd be in the ambulance. But when I said dad, he actually looked up at me, and it was you know it was a nice moment. And also, I just wanted him to be okay. Yeah. And I think it felt like you know he my confidence. He felt it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. it was it was all right. And obviously, he then went to counter smell batten later on, didn't he? And he struggled yeah. in the ambulance. So I think that was painful and awkward, and he was quite confused. And then obviously. He sort of passed away early hours in the morning, didn't it?
0: Yeah, because, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, with, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, we at least had those those moments. I mean, as I said, if, if mum hadn't sort of said, come on, go and see him, I wouldn't have. And yeah. that would, I'm so happy because that would, I think that is, even the thought that I potentially would have done that is such a regret. And I feel bad about that now, even though I still I managed to do the right thing, essentially, you know, and it's it's upsetting. But yeah, when, I'm not going to get into too horrendous graphic detail or anything but like when he was in the uh, when he was in the hospice it was I kind of wish I hadn't gone and seen him to after he passed because when when we went and saw him you know he was it was it was only a few hours before he passed where he had uh, I remember me sat upright and he was making odd noises you know he he wasn't really responding he was trying to talk to him and he wasn't responding his eyes were kind of half rolled back and he was like sort of you know, it sounded like he was choking a little bit and obviously he ended up being, I think what they said was he was basically, he was being kept alive by the painkillers and morphine and stuff but he was basically hemorrhaging which is just horrendous and I just remember seeing him there and I remember mum being by his bedside and obviously crying and calling his name and stuff and it was just fucking awful. And then I was just, I remember, I remember, because that, that was the last time I technically saw him alive but that's not the, that wasn't the last time I saw dad. That was the last time I saw dad's body being alive but <clears throat> I remember leaving there uh at that point because i think i came over yours or something and it was it was pretty damn late uh and then i just remember getting to yours and just thinking i was like i just want him to die now because i, I would never i would never you know want to wish death upon anyone but when it was that bad it was just it was awful and then when we finally got the call from mum saying you know he's gone it was such a relief because just i couldn't imagine seeing him if he was he could have some people get put in that state and if they're on enough morphine enough drugs and their body's somehow kind of half fighting enough they could be stuck in that state for days weeks longer yeah and it was quite a relief in the sense that even though the last few weeks and maybe months of dad he wasn't quite there when he got horrendously bad it was over quite quick which was it was quite a nice
1: yeah dad didn't really suffer in in the scheme of things you know
0: no he was
1: Mm. it was a
0: yeah but my and the people, they're all so nice, and I couldn't, I couldn't imagine a job worse. Not not in the sense of, like...
1: It's a, it's a very hard job, isn't
0: it? Yeah, like, I could. I I don't have the... <clears throat> I'm not the most overly emotional person in the sense of, you know, I don't cry that often and that sort of thing, but God, being around, just watching people come into a place to die, those people are so resilient.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's an incredible thing, isn't it? Because obviously it's an amazing thing, because they kind of help people. Oh, yeah, I'm so thankful you
0: know. for them. They were so nice as well, and they all
1: yeah yeah they were amazing
0: yeah because obviously after he passed for a few a couple of years after that you've been doing uh, charity gigs for Countless Band and raising money for them and stuff because yeah yeah, they did some fantastic things but yeah I mean with excuse me one of the things because obviously this happened five years ago uh, where I was only 19 and since then I've had friends who their family members have passed away or people I've known who their their parents are or something like that um, and when i was uh, dating a previous girlfriend of mine one of her friends their dad died of cancer and, and she was like 22 or 21 at the time and you know, she said to me it's part, part of the reason i come to this podcast a little bit was like she said to me well how can i help and it's a weird thing because when when a family member passes away like that there's no there's no magic words you can say and there's nothing you can do that will make you feel everything feel better necessarily but i found that just someone just kind of being there was enough like there's no there's no magic answer you can say to make the pain go away there's no there's nothing you can say to to stop it when someone's going through this and someone's suffering with this sort of thing but if you've just got people there who care about you and they're like look if you want to talk about it i will if you'd rather just spend the next 6 hours playing video games watching films and not thinking about it i'm happy for that too but excuse me then that that's kind of all I needed you know in a sense that's kind of there wasn't a right answer but it's just one of those things where there's a quote from um, from Corey Taylor if people don't know he's a member of two bands and he's written a few books and that sort of thing and um, someone close to him died um, uh, Paul Gray and uh, he basically said it was a quote and he said it never things it gets easier to deal with but it never gets better and I think that's quite a, an apt way of having it like it it doesn't looking back on it it's, it's easier for me to deal with I'm not as upset as as I was obviously when it first happened and that sort of thing but it, the situation was never any better but it is just it is ways you've got to got to deal with it you know like how did you sort of
1: I don't know I so, you know there's arguments that sometimes you get don't necessarily go over these things I think it's difficult I think you've got to be honest and you've got to let it out if you can and I think people hold things in I don't know what the answers are but
0: wait there, there is I don't want to put, put you on the spot and make no, you think no, you've no, got but the answers obviously but...
1: everyone's different and I think you need what you need and I think probably I think yeah understanding people around you and too much pressure but you know and obviously you just want to feel loved and close and I think things like that do bring people closer yeah um, and I think I think with dad though as well because it's the one thing we haven't Really talked about was, yeah. I found when he got ill, it, I found it all quite inspiring because he's quite a selfish person at times and very stubborn. Hmm. Um, and he would run away from lots of things that he didn't want to deal with, which we probably all got a bit of. Yeah. And um, but when he found out that he was dying, that was kind of it. He kind of lifted his chin up and kind of said, "Right, I'm doing this now, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this." Yeah. And that wasn't really what I expected. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that. And he took me by surprise. Yeah. And I found it quite inspiring. And he was very positive and he kind of just got on with stuff. And he didn't achieve some of the ridiculous things that he was desperate to achieve in this who knows how amount of time. Yeah. But he actually, the fact is he was having a go and it kind of pushed him along. And I was just really surprised because I thought he would just throw himself into work and go and... And just get on with it and not acknowledge it, you know. And instead, yeah. he kind of faced it and got on. And I was, it really surprised me, you know. People yeah. say, you know, in these situations, you maybe just show your true self or maybe, you know, act differently than you'd expect. And he just kind of wowed me a bit with it. He was kind of like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And it, it I hey, it really was. It really made me think, kind of very proud of him.
0: Yeah, definitely. The, the gig, especially, like, <clears throat> that was the main thing that. Especially where he died so soon after the gig. And it was, you could, after the gig, he was crying because he was in so much pain after being on stage for 40 minutes or an hour singing along. Because obviously, that's two months before dying. I just remember he, he played so well. And obviously, we've got the footage of it and stuff. And I, I remember I, I watched it back. And obviously, I edited the video footage and stuff like that. So I talked I quite a bit when I was making the, the DVD and stuff. But it was just like, getting up on stage. Like, a lot of 60-year-olds, just standard, wouldn't be able to get on stage. But he was 63, I think, when he passed. And he it was incredibly inspiring. It was just like... If no one would have felt... No one would have obviously been upset if he just wouldn't have been able to do it. Because he was obviously... He had a neck brace and he could only just sort of walk. And he was so ill. But he, he did. He was like, I'm going to do this. It's is for charity. I want to raise money for people going through this sort of thing. You know, I really want to... I want to do this. I want to almost say fuck you to cancer, I want to I'm still gonna do this. And it was incredibly inspiring, as you say. It was just it what that, that night made me more proud of him than probably ever, I would say. Um and yeah, as you say, when he when he did he, he was very positive about the whole uh, whole thing, he would never he wouldn't dwell on it. He, he wouldn't kind of be all woe is me about it all. He was just like, No, let's just do it, you know, we'll get through this. you know and I remember him talking to me and he'd be like, No, we're gonna We'll get through this as a family. We'll get, you know, kind of, in in the best way, stiff up a lip sort of thing, but in a real positive. Yeah, yeah, it just way, surprised
1: me because I, I didn't think that's what he was like, you know. Yeah. It's not. That's not me putting down who he was, but it's just that's not how I expected him to react to it, and he really did surprise me, and it it, it took me back, and then I, 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 you know, I was taken aback by it, and I also found Bill Gille that I was kind of, i I was so chuff that he was like that. But I think, you know, he just came out of it fighting and I think it was so it took me by surprise and and he just got on with it. And like you say, you know, I think we all just tried then to just see as much of him and be around of him. And that was the interesting thing as well. We were talking about earlier, you said about obviously you have to put up with you know, put up with someone's weaknesses and their and who they are and what their issues are and sometimes if you want to be around someone like your dad Yeah. You have to put up with all the crap or not be there. Mm. And I've been talking to other people as well and their dads and they're like that, you know, and you either, normally the kids that seem to get on best with the dads as they're older are the ones that go, right, he is a bit of a knob end. He is going to do this. He's going to sulk about that. He's going to not be happy about that. But if I want to be here talking to him and he's my dad, Mm. then I'll, this is what I have to put up with. You know, and him and I had rows and we didn't speak for about three months once and, All these things, but when the minute we knew he had cancer, you know, to be honest with you, he couldn't do any wrong and Mm. you just have to make the most of that time. Mm. So I would just come around, you know, see him every day, you know, I think I would see him five, six days a week.
0: Yeah, well, obviously, I, I lived in that point, so I saw, was, I, saw, I, mean, I saw you yeah. putting that effort in. Yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, clarify I saw but, you a lot. Then, but yeah. obviously,
1: because you've got to make the most of these things, and you know, no matter how close you are or not, you've still got to grab these chances to see someone before they're going, you know? Yeah. Like you said earlier about instantly going or knowing what's going to happen, at least with Dad who knew he was going, hmm. that we... We could all come around and put more effort in and and say goodbye and in a make sense. sure we saw him. Yeah, and made the most of him while he was there.
0: Because I think everyone generally got to say goodbye to him as well, in some sense. Yeah. you know, at least.
1: I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, but obviously, it's one of those things, isn't it? Because you just take it for granted a little bit, and even if you're not that close to your parents, you know, you're still they're still your parents, and you've. I think if you get a chance, you need to be able to feel like you've seen it and done. You can, you know.
0: Yeah yeah and it's like that with a lot of things I mean with going to a certain point that we mentioned uh, previously which I think I've said in the podcast previously as well is family you don't get to choose your family but you do choose your friends but with certain members of family I don't feel like people should if you really really don't get along with a family member and, and they are just horrible and malicious and awful to you not saying dad is at all not saying he was anywhere near that bad but if you if you do have a you know an abusive parent or anything along those lines, you shouldn't feel like you have to make an effort to see them. Because even though, yeah, you're blood, that doesn't mean you have to like them. You have to put the effort in. But when you do have someone who you, you do at least like, and obviously we all love Dad, and he was a very flawed man. But he was, as I always say, he's a great man, but not necessarily the best man he could have been. But he... He was—he was still a nice enough person, and then when obviously he did get ill, and everyone kind of went around him, the best I found came out in him as well, because he was surrounded by people trying to trying to push for positivity, and then he was trying to be positive as well, and it kind of all bounced off each other. And so yeah. that the last sort of year and a half, it was almost like the dad was happiest that he'd been, in a way, because he was sort of trying a lot harder, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think obviously everyone everyone would just forgive him everything as well because obviously the situation but you know you know i think we love dad and i think it's difficult obviously talking about someone and you're trying to be honest and trying to point out their flaws and it's very difficult to not just be pointing out their flaws it, it, it's difficult to not sound like you're like both of us are just kind of slagging them off picking yeah. on him. and he was exactly. an amazingly amazing guy and he had such a heart of gold at, at times and he would you know treated all sorts of things and he would you know and he'd be so excited you know it was strange because you you know very materialistic but actually say things like speedway scores and things like that and you know a certain person's new album or a song coming out or you know little things it's like you know when one of the bands i had we made an album nobody makes albums anymore you know Mm. and but he was he was almost like he felt that we would made it it's like we were the you know, we were the number one selling album. We weren't at all, but we just basically put nine songs on a CD rather than everyone else who was still make, you know, started making EPs and only had five. Yeah. And it was like the right thing, old school, to do. And he was really chuffed with that. Yeah. Uh, but I'd made la- loads more music before that. But he had little things that he really liked. And then he would really get into that, you know, and mm-hmm. it would really matter a lot to him. And they weren't necessarily expensive things, you know. Yeah. He liked meals out and, you know, and he liked holidays and all this stuff. And he liked the finer things. But, you know, I think he was a guy that really liked what he liked. And I say he was absolutely passionate about the things that mattered to him. Mm. And I think I think family was included in that. I just don't think perhaps he was great at showing it at times. But I think yeah. he was a, a wonderful person. And I think, but he was obviously a pain in the ass. And As <laughs> We were saying before, you and I talked about this, that, you know, people glamorize and give the relatives halos that have gone you know yeah and you know i don't think that they, they can be frustrating when you don't see someone's flaws but when you're trying to explain someone it can sound a bit negative but you know in my heart i know how much i love dad so my mouth can say anything that i want it doesn't change what's in my heart you know yeah and obviously with someone else it just sounds like he is a miserable sod and and that's where we've got it from (laughs) maybe while we slag him off that's it (laughs) well that's kind of
0: you know I will start bringing bringing this towards the end now because I think we've we've basically kind of said relatively everything we've sort of wanted to say but like I did I didn't want to do this because obviously when we discussed uh, we talked about this general thing uh, I think a few months back probably now um, and one of the things was one of the reasons made me want to do it especially with you was when someone does pass away, like for, it happens with celebrities, I think Amy Winehouse is probably the best example. Where a lot of people hated her for what she did or anything like that. If, weirdly enough, Amy Winehouse was one of Dad's favourites for a long time. He always he loved Amy Winehouse, probably well enough. But um, they so much of the media and so much of this, that, and the other slagged her off and was always against her. And then as soon as she passed away, she was a golden girl. She was perfect. And I think one of the things I kind of try and do not only in life, but also in the show and this sort of thing, it's kind of, life a lot of the time is about the grey area. It's not, it's so rare for something to be black or white in the sense of, it's so rare for someone, it's so rarely a saint, but also it's quite rare, not not impossible, it's quite rare for someone to be completely 100% all bad, you know, and when people pass away, you do want to remember the good things about them, but it is important to not forget almost some of their flaws, because then you can learn from them and you can't just whoa punch the microphone. <laughs> You're looking at that so confused now. It's facing away from you. You can't talk again. <laughs> yeah, the other way. I'm done. You're done with that. That's it.
1: Man, this technology is complicated.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I think it's just one of those things where it's people shouldn't they they shouldn't be so glamorising of people when they pass away or anything like that it should just be look for the good parts as well as the the bad parts but don't try and dwell on one more than the other
1: I just think you know everything makes up somebody do not they so yeah you know what you know what negatives and positives sort of different things you know and obviously quite often negatives later on are quite funny and you know it's just
0: (laughs) well yeah we, we knew dad a lot more a lot better than almost anyone obviously because it was our dad yeah. So, as I think our final sort of uh, probably note. Unless you want to add anything at the end of what i to say, it, it, the probably final note was that a lot of people did that we kn- that know. Dad was a was a great man. I, I and obviously I miss him dearly and I love him, but he wasn't perfect and that's okay. He, they don't. Ha- he doesn't have to be because he was my dad, and I learned from his flaws, but also from his you know the best parts about him you know i try to utilize the things that i i think were the best parts of him while looking at the things that he was faulted in the ways he was and learn from them and i hope that when i have kids one day they'll be the same in that way you know that's probably all i was gonna say is there anything else you'd like to
1: make me feel about jerry springer at the final thought type thing going on you know
0: i don't watch jerry springer so i don't even know that is so that's... You've just hurt because yourself. Because I'm old, aren't I? <laughs> that is true.
1: you would always say, look after yourself and each other. <laughs>
0: well, that's where we're going to end it then. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on Rob. I appreciate it. It's all good. And that's the end of the Father's Day special. Um, thanks, as always, for tuning in, guys. Um, really appreciate anyone listening to this one, especially because it, it means so much to me, and I really hope that it either helped someone or gave someone some sort of perspective or potentially in the future. I mean, I I really obviously hope no one has to sort of go through this sort of thing, but unfortunately, uh, cancer is incredibly common. Um, I, I believe the statistics are, I think, it's one in two males um are due to get it in their lifetime and one in 3 women. Um I believe that's from a podcast that Sam Harris did with an oncologist. Um I can't remember for, for what his name was. Um but I'd really recommend going back and listening to that podcast. It's quite interesting. So he, he's a guy who studies cancer not Sam Harris is his guest on uh, and they discuss quite a few things about cancer. So that's quite um quite interesting there. Um yeah there's not really much else to say about this podcast I think I think I covered most of it in the intro as, as I just to repeat myself you know if anyone wants to talk about this at all uh, contact me on social media uh, I'm more than happy to discuss this sort of thing or just be there if anyone wants to vent and as I said it'd be strictly confidential and things like that so just want to throw that out there um, also genuine chit chat is now a part of the Brit pod scene um, which is really awesome uh, if you go on the website and go on the a to z of podcasts you'll see my funny little logo in there now so that's really cool a uh, bunch of great people um, there's some fantastic podcasts um on there in fact i've done promos i believe for um, one or two of them uh like we swap promos that is i believe for one of two of them that are actually in the brit pod scene i think um and yeah so i'd really recommend if you want some new podcasts and you're really into the british accent or you're just i don't know you've just got a thing for brit- british people um go check that out it's on um instagram and facebook and all that sort of jazz um so yeah that's really cool thanks to those guys for listening to genuine chit chat and thinking it's good enough to be in- involved with that family it's it's it means a lot really um obviously thanks to anyone who's listening um you can like us on facebook instagram twitter uh you can email us i think i put all the sort of details and whatnot in the description as i usually do um, and next week will be another episode of science but simple um if you're a new listener uh, science but simple is uh, an episode that i try to do i, I think i vaguely do it, it seem to be every six episodes um so it's not every sixth release because obviously when they're longer podcasts i often split them in half um, but every six episodes or so i try and do a, a science but simple with my friend josh um, josh is a marine biologist um, he knows lots about science he went to sort of uh university got a degree in college did a lot of science a levels and things and he's much more intelligent than i am so we try and talk about sort of everyday science and explain it in easy to digest manners Um, we've done one about the tides and uh, the sun and gravity Um, we've done one about how light bulbs work and generally understanding how energy works Um, we did a debunking one a few episodes ago about funnily enough about cancer about uh, genetically modified organisms gmos you know when people worry about people altering foods and stuff um and big pharma um, we spoke about big pharma me and carla did in episode seven where we discussed the sort of more conspiracy sort of side of that and in the newest science but simple which is the debunking one um we kind of we we debunk some of the things about big pharma so it's it's got a mixed bag uh, of the science but simple ones and um as i said every episode of genuine chit chat is generally different but the next weeks will be a science but simple um i can't remember precisely what we're doing it on i think it's about climate change and sort of how climates work and that sort of thing so that'll be released next week and then i've got quite a few uh recordings lined up with some uh, a variety of different people Um, so that should be uh, quite interesting Um, I think I've basically said enough now I think I've rambled on for a bit Um, as always guys, thanks for watching I really do
1: appreciate it, especially for this episode and I'll talk to you guys next week